gentlemen, what's up, my Wednesday people? It is that time again, the vibrant time. I'm super happy to be here. Before we get started, let me just say hi to some people in the chat there. What's up, Davin? James Hadfield over on the Rockfin side. Crazy Fox on the YouTube side. Fur Mommy Zhao, nice to see you back in our live chats. It's been a while. And everyone, please feel free to say hi. Share the show with people that you think might like what we're going to do here tonight, which is have fun, kick ass, and reveal deep secrets of the occult, possibly, with our friend Loomis from Chant It Down Radio. Loomis and I had a great time on his podcast a few months back. Time flies, so I'm not exactly sure when, but you can find my episode in his recent archives where we did indeed discuss many a deep thing. Loomis's podcast is a lot like mine in the sense that he's also trying to help people align with their highest purpose, break out of the rat race, the matrix, what have you, and have more fun in life by following their deepest calling. So we're going to talk about all that and more. Good to see everybody in the chats. And hey, what's up, Loomis? Welcome to Vibrant. Hey, thanks for having me on. That's uh, really appreciated. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to collab again since the last time we got to talk. Yeah. We had a great time. Yeah, it was good. And it kind of ran short and we were like, oh, we should talk some more. And so here we are. Yeah, I believe the wonderful Matt Landman put us in touch with each other as he so often does. Yeah, he's a kind of a uh, he's definitely a a meeting place for people in a way. I haven't talked to him in a while, but yeah, I hope he's doing good. Yeah, I'm hoping to bring him back on a vibrant soon, actually. So. Why don't we just hear more about who you are, where you live, what you do, how you got there. Maybe start with some introductions about yourself and your work, and then I'll hit you with more questions. Sure. Um, So I've been trying to get this message out really since 1999 when it was a time of my awakening. Um, But I started my podcast in 2013 when it was a time of overflowing to where I had to put this knowledge somewhere. Like Terrence McKenna says, when you have a leaky jar, you got to find somewhere to put it. And that's basically what happened uh, by 2013 is I needed a, a, a way to unleash this information. And I wanted to help people understand this information. So I do a podcast here in Hawaii, live in Hawaii, I'm from Hawaii. I have lived other places. I love, I love to travel, but um, this is my home. And uh, I've been doing a lot of, you know, different podcasts for a while. I'm, I have a full-time job, so I, I can only do it so much. I have 196 episodes in God, uh, eight years, but I've been able to, um, you know, it's that thing that I can do when I have time to do it. And I love it very much. And I love being part of, the truth community and just helping people to find the knowledge that they need to know and to help them to grow on this planet. (laughs) I just muted myself and then tried to unmute and turn off the camera. Anyway, I love it, man. That's so, so in alignment with my story. And only very recently was I able to leave behind a full-time job and more fully do just this type of work and had a lot to do with finding an alternate modality to add to the whole mix with my sound healing practice, which we probably talked about on your show. I usually talk about it. Yeah, I think we did. And yeah. And so, you know, being able to kind of converge those worlds was really helpful so that 
people that like what I'm doing here can support me through also supporting themselves in a sound healing session. But you know what else it was for me that really made all the difference was actually the app Telegram because there was no real uh, opportunity on any other social media platform for an authentic community to form around what I was doing. So I was wondering, do you have uh, do you have any sort of social media communities anywhere that you are cultivating? See, I'm I'm kind of a um you know what? I'm I'm not very I'm not real tech savvy, but I'm getting better. But it's just that I kind of like um, basically just do Instagram, which I hadn't been active on until more recently. I decided to, and I have a YouTube channel, Truth Filled Trajectory. Uh, but I have, I'm on, like, you can find me on Telegram. I have nothing on there yet, but I plan on building it up. And I think that's one of the best ones. I mean, you could probably find me on a bunch of things that I plan on building up, but at, right now, that's kind of where you can find me. And of course my show Channel down radio, which is, um, you know, on any, any RSS feed out there. Yeah, buddy. Well, you just pop on over to the interverse telegram group sometime and let us know your channel. And I'm sure we'll get some people to follow you over because that's the beauty of it. And I would just, if it was me, I would just be like, I practically have ditched the Instagram. All I do with it now is when there's a new episode coming up, I post about that, but I, pretty much just post it and forget it. And I don't really know that anybody sees that that isn't also seeing the telegram stuff because of the shadow banning BS, but Hey, chanted down radio. You've been doing it for a while, over 200 episodes. What do you, what do you like the name chanted down for? Well, it it became this thing that me and some friends said before that I started the show. It's like, if someone doesn't get it, they don't chant it down because we are big reggae listeners out here in Hawaii. Um, even though I'm an ex hip hop artist, I, um, you know, reggae has always been near and dear to my heart. And so a lot of our, us would say, you know, these people just aren't chanting it down. That's why they're not seeing a tr- the truth. So I would say, well, let's chant it down. And so I formed chant it down radio kind of under it's kind of like almost like an inside joke between friends not a joke but you know an insider kind of thing where we always say it so it just it seemed like the right title for my show well i like it because i always thought my name sounded like chant (laughs) like plural chants yeah it's that's true yeah that's right my mom almost spelled my name c-h-a-n-t-z and that would have been a tragedy (laughs) <laughs> yeah. she didn't that would have been horrible chance it down chance. Chance. <laughs> well i don't know I'm, I'm really into like the electricity electric universe theory so maybe that would have been appropriate in a funny way because you have all that at the end with a z but i i digress um yeah so let's talk about the inspiration behind the show other than the cool name which i really do dig you know, um, there's this about, I'm going to go ahead and share this in the chats, but you've got um, on your website, on the about page, there's a very interesting story that you alluded to about your late nineties experience meeting an insider of the institutions that secretly run the planet. And, you know, you've, um, you say that this basically built your entire platform out of the uh, knowledge that you gained from that. So I'm very curious to hear about it because it probably will align with some of the things I've learned about how things work around here. Sure. 
it's a bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll go and <clears throat> just kind of tell it as it goes. Um, I guess before I get into that, I should say that, so I have been in, I, I, I've been a um, hip hop artist since 1991. Um, me and my friends had a group together and we did a lot of stuff. And um, as time progressed, uh, I take a lot of psychedelics and kind of really started realizing some truths here and there. Um, and I got to a point where, okay, I don't want to work a job in the system anymore because that is prohibiting me from doing my music right. So what I did is I took the full initiative to quit the system. And I was living here on Oahu, this is on this island. And my friend, um, he got a, my friend moved to the big island with his girlfriend and my roommate situation here fell apart. So I decided he's like, yeah, we could use, you want to come over here? I'm like, okay, but I was broke because I already quit the system and I was just like living off credit cards, which I don't recommend. But at the time it just seemed like I want to live now. So I decided to move over there and the room that was available to me was $400 a month, which isn't much now, but back in 1999, that was kind of a lot. Um, and I, instead I ended up taking the couch because I couldn't afford that room. And so what happened with that room, is it became a, a revolving door of different renters that came in and out like pretty quickly, in fact. Um, and so finally there was a guy that came, decided he needed a place to stay for a few months because he's building his house for his family. And he was about 45, maybe even 50. And he wanted to build his house for his family so they could move out onto the big island. I think he was coming from Montana at the time. So anyway, um, he seemed like a cool guy cause he kept imparting little bits of knowledge to me here and there every day about health or some kind of, um, faucet of the system that, 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 um, went toward well-being or, you know, and he was smart. I was like, wow, what's this guy all about really? You know, cause he just seemed like he had this endless knowledge of stuff. And I, and it, I was bored one night and sitting in the living room and we just started talking and he just went over everything in, in the world. And he told me, well, the reason why he was moving over to the big Island is because he was um, escaping the institution he was working for. He was a high up in the USDA and I'm not sure how high up because I didn't know the questions to ask when back then, but he basically knew everything that happens in this compartmentalized world. It was kind of like sitting next to somebody who had been studying this stuff for years and years. Like if you decided to, you just had a random conversation with David Icke or Michael Sarian or somebody, some old schooler, this guy knew all kinds of things. And he just started and he just laid it on me one night and he told me all this crazy stuff to me at the time, you know, that your presidents are chosen. You don't, you don't uh, elect them. And, well, and I think I already had this sort of, um, I already sort of had an opening in my heart to accept all this because I knew the system was corrupt. That's why I quit the system at the time. And so it fit really well. And um, he only was there for about two months, but he left me with two books to read. One, one was The Committee of 300 by John Coleman, and the other was um, Behold a Pale Horse. Um, and those two books 
uh, that's a kind Bill of Cooper book, right? Bill Cooper, Cooper. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of his name, and so that was the beginning of the wake up that uh, that sparked me. Because one thing that I knew about before he came into my life was chemtrails because a friend of mine showed me my first chemtrail in like 1998. And I was like, wow, that doesn't look right because this thing was expanding in the air. And so um, when I talked to him about it, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a part of the, one of their plans, you know, and I can't remember what he's basically said, weather control, I believe. But uh, so um, I will interject that now we're at the point where even my kind of not that paying much attention to things, parents are seeing them and, and recognizing them and pointing them out to me. So I'm like, wow, wow, the agenda wow. has really accelerated that it's even more obvious than ever. So, so like people that are normies are noticing them? Yeah, yeah. Normies are noticing them now. I mean, well, they they seem to be following such an obvious pattern of it might be a cool day and uh, not hot and a weekday in the morning and the skies are clear and empty and blue, mm-hmm. but then the weekend comes and it's supposed to be nice out and not cloudy. And all of a sudden we've got this deadly orgone radiation, white mist haze of planes flying directly in front of the sun or maybe not planes, whatever the hell they are. We, <laughs> we can yeah. talk to Matt Landman about that more, but. Yeah, I mean, it's so beyond obvious at this point that geoengineering is happening. You can see the articles out there of Bill Gates' plan to dim the sun and how that's going to save the world. It's ridiculous. Right, right. And uh, but back then, it's a, big, a more bitter pill to swallow that the weather was manipulated and controlled, scheduled rather than forecast. Yeah, I would say about... So a lot of people believe around mid nineties is when all this became full scale where almost every day you'd see it in your sky. Yeah. But like we're to continue from there. Oh yeah. So I think you muted yourself. No. Yeah. Uh, just to continue oh. your, your story from. Oh yeah, sure. So, okay. Yeah, so you're awakening to all this. Yeah. So what this guy also told me, and this is the big banger in the whole thing is, yeah, he left me with these books and that was cool. And I eventually read them, but he said that in a couple, he said that when it's election time, they're going to get George W. Bush in. And he says, he's, they're going to make him get in there and watch what happens. And so um, anyway, I was like, and, and he said, you watch. So Two years go by and 9-11 happens and here's this big thing. And like, oh, shit, this is what he was talking about. And that's when it all really hit home because nothing had really happened in 1999. You had 2000 where you had the Y2K scare. That didn't happen. So that was the big kicker right there was the 9-11 and how he actually somehow knew about it. I'm not sure. And I wish I had the knowledge I had now back then to ask him all these questions because I have no contact with this guy any longer. Hey, welcome, Gabriel. Slick Dissident. Uh, Hey, how's it? Any thoughts? We've been, first of all, we talked about Hawaii, which I found very interesting because last week's Weaving Spiders Welcome episode, we talked so much about esoteric Hawaii stuff. Maybe we'll maybe we'll go diverge over to there later in this conversation. But yeah, also we've gotten into the, of course, weather control, weather warfare, and the 9-11 event being telegraphed to many people. 
So the fact that so many people actually warned about 9-11 before it happened, it makes me just as suspicious about what's going on now because there have been plenty of, I mean, obviously I'm suspicious about what's going on now, but there's been a lot of people that warned about this before it came too. So it seems like these plans are laid far in advance, but yeah, how are you doing, Gabriel? What are your thoughts on any of this? I'm doing great. Uh, good to meet you, brother. How do I say that name? Luma? Loomis. Loomis. Oh, Lewis. Loomis. Mm-hmm. Loomis. Okay. Yeah. Okay, nice. Great to meet you, man. Good to meet you, Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, sorry to jump in in the middle of your intro, but it's like you're saying so many things that I'm like, ooh, ooh. I oh, love no, no, I like want it. you here, dude. You've got a, yeah. a weird mind that we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this is cool. You know, um, I, uh, I've seen your work elsewhere too. And, uh, and I remember you telling this story before and I don't know where I've heard it, but it's a great story because, uh, it gives a lot of hope that a single person can inspire a ripple effect of inspiration that will live on beyond their couple months that he lived with you, you know? Right. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, he put a seed in you. And now you're blowing the horn. You've got a, you know, you've got a platform and you're spreading that awareness. That's awesome. That's a super cool story. You say you don't remember remember his name? Well, his name was Sherman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I mean, I know, I know his name, but I've looked for him everywhere. And what I realized about the guy, this is later thinking back is he was building a house and hiding from something, obviously, because the Big Island, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Big Island. Uh, it is obviously big, but it's got a lot of empty space and places for people to hide. Um, they say a lot of Vietnam vets, and they even say, some people say, I mean, I don't know how true this is, that a lot of uh, witness protection program people are put there because there's a lot of isolated pockets of that island where people don't go. And so for me now thinking back, like, yeah, he's trying to escape the institution that he was part of so he could raise his family away from all that. That's well, this makes me wonder about the rumored tunnels under the islands that go from island to island. Do you know about that? I've heard of lava tubes. I had an old Hawaiian grandfather tell me about that. Like there, and it sounded a little t- like a tall tale. But he goes, "Oh yeah, my ancestors could go between an island here and, and a lava tube under the ocean." I was like, "Yeah, right." But maybe, maybe he's right. You know, I I don't know. I wouldn't. It wouldn't doubt. I wouldn't doubt it because the military has so much catacomb ma- mountains out out here. I mean. The main reason why Hawaii is part of the United States is because it's a military, giant military installation, basically. Yes. Were Were you there when they blew the sent out the false alarm? <laughs> I was not. So I moved to the mainland for a year that time, and I moved back a month after that happened. But I did a whole show on it and it yeah. exposing it. And there's so many. There's so many holes in that story. Exposed for us now. I actually never got turned on to the exposing of that event. Uh, Kind of walk us through what Mm. was it and and what was a psyop about it. Yes. And is it true that the Clintons were on the island at that time? No, I didn't know that. I heard heard Hillary, but I heard the Clintons, but I'm sure I heard Hillary. 
I'm one the, of the kids in the back, so I want a, a full refresher on this whole thing. <laughs> Raise my I have hand. to refresh my own mind. I'm kind of forgetting now, too. But this was in, like, was it January of 2018, I believe. And um, what happened was um, there everybody got a message on their phone saying that, that there was a missile alert and to, to find cover. So for about 38 minutes, this island panicked. And people were like hiding their kids in manhole covers and crazy stuff. And they were um, trying to, you know, avoid a missile, which is pretty much impossible. But what happened is um, what? So they said it was a false alarm and somebody accidentally pushed the button. Well, it turns out there is no button. There is <laughs> two buttons. There's what there's their keys and you press a key and another guy on the, about eight feet apart presses a key and turns it at the same time. Cause why would they leave in a button just open to go, oops, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. And so anyway, they, um, they, uh, said it was some idiot made a mistake and they, they put him on the news. You know, they made him all dark, like to hide his identity. And well, this, this newscaster that was interviewing him is the same newscaster that was there before. It was an NBC, I can't remember his name, but an NBC, uh, uh, anchorman who was in the bomb shelter like 30 minutes earlier doing a drill. They were, they were doing a report on a drill. Always a drill before Always the right? flag. Right? It's always a drill and all cameras never work. But <laughs> um, the one thing that was big is somebody, I forget his name. I feel kind of, it's been a while, but he does a YouTube show and his sister lives on Maui and they were on a boat. Some boaters on Maui heard a giant explosion in the sky somewhere out at, so, at sea. So something was intercepted. So more than likely, there really was a missile and something happened. Oh, wow. That is an interesting take. Yeah. And just to cap it off. Um, so apparently, um, yeah, the, I mean, I've seen it. Someone uh, took a screenshot of this newscast at like 930 after they said it was a mistake. And there were three, if you took a real quick screenshot, there were three UFOs, like kind of in a triangle in the air, like shiny things. I don't know, you know, but that's pretty weird, huh? That is so weird. So I, there's a life chance that I have a very weird mind. And I'm already, I'm seeing a lot of interesting esoteric information just in those, the parameters that you laid out. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, one thing I should put, we talked about this a week ago about Hawaii, but I have this really <laughs> weird project uh, and I don't want to belabor the the details too much, but I'll just like bring you up to speed on Hawaii uh, has a significance in my project. It's called the Territories work. Oh, Tarot. Yep. Yeah. And I've laid the major arcana onto the Zodiac stations, the 12 Zodiac stations. And I filled in the 12 stations with all of the corresponding tarot cards. Okay. And then I put it on the map of the United States and I run it uh, and I run um, state logos, state crests, state flags, uh, mascots for sporting teams through the Zodiac stations and the tarot cards in their corresponding locations around the United States. 
And Hawaii is the moon card. And it, that is card number 18. And so as soon as you said it happened on January 18th, I had bells and whistles going off in my mind uh, in a major way. Uh, oh, yeah. In 2018. 20, yeah, in 2018. Yes. Yes. Man, that is so wild. So, uh, so there are many aspects of the moon card that are just of giving more context to what might have been a ritual, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, there's still a lot of mystery here, but the moon card is definitely significant to this. Um, Also, I'd like to point out in terms of psyops, they love to blame a lone individual. The the, the message that that they love to put out there is like, as soon as you have an independent thought, you're a terrorist. <laughs> as soon as you're alone in the room with the only button that can send out the false message, you're going to fuck up and you're, you know, now it's your fault. So it's always the lone gunman, the lone shooter, the one guy, we, and, you know, it was his first day on the job. He's new. He's, you know, he's a straggler. So these are right. all, these are all like classic PSYOP ingredients. Uh, yes, so they think- are. Yeah, the individual is always the target of all of these agendas because we're talking about assimilation into the Borg. Ultimately, that's what everything is pushing humanity towards, the massive collectivism, downgrading of the soul, <laughs> you know, the the alone one, the soul. Nice. Right. No individuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they put him... uh on the screen with a occulted face. And, That's right. and that, to some degree that I'd like to know where the moon was at that day on the, in the, in the heavens, it would be interesting if it was a new moon. Uh, yeah, that, that I'm just guessing, uh, but having him show up and like doing a shaming ritual and him saying whatever. Uh, and I'm sure whatever he said was probably, uh, chock full of psychological bullshit for us to consume. It definitely well, I just was. Randomly looked it up, and it happened to be a waxing crescent. The like right after the new moon on that particular day, January eighteenth, twenty eighteen. If that's really the date that this went down, interesting. So. That is wild. Uh, that's fun. That's fun. That's great. Thank you for bringing that forward. Oh yeah. Uh, it says actually it was January thirteenth when I just looked it up. The twenty eighteen Hawaii false missile alert. So Okay. okay. It is twenty eighteen. That's a so we got a one wait, say it again. January thirteenth? Thirteenth, yeah. So that's a one one three, which without going into too much crazy detail, there's a uh old uh I think it's Talmudic law, Baba Kama. 113A is a, an old law that says you're allowed to lie to your slaves. You can lie to the, to the lower class. So 113 in Gamatria, if you guys ever watch, uh, 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 what's his name? Something Hubbard. Uh, he's the Gamatria guy. Whenever 113 comes up, he, he's got bells and whistles. He's like, you know, it's a lie. 113 is always a lie. Also 311 because it goes, Goes both ways, but so yeah, that's interesting. But it's still, we got the eighteen on the two thousand eighteen. Yeah, boom card. 
okay, it was the 13th. Yeah, I, I knew it was fuzzy in my mind too, but mm-hmm. all that happened. And, and there's something about this guy who this reporter, this NBC reporter, he was, uh, he, he's definitely to, to blame. And I think he even went, I could be wrong and I might be getting my facts mixed up. His name's Jacob something, but I think he even went to the same classes that, um, what's that CNN reporter? That Anderson Cooper, I think he's like, Oh, damn. I think they're buddies, right? Yeah. So, that yeah. is interesting. Uh, you, know, yeah. you know, we've been had. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that's a, an AC. Anderson Cooper is an AC is a 13, one, three. They love that. Lunar, it's the lunar calendar. Another moon signifier with the silver hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of lots in there. CIA status for sure. Fuckers. Speaking <laughs> of CIA status, I really think that. I mean, I'm not so much funny too. There's 3113 in the stream when you said all that. (laughs) I'm wise. 3113. But uh, Loomis, I've had a suspicion about Hawaii in terms of its entry into the (laughs) union and its history. Is there anything about Hawaiian history as it's given today to you that rings suspicious that maybe there was a different type of civilization there than what we're told in terms of like, you know, savage natives? Not that I'm calling the idea of a traditional hunter-gatherer or less technologically advanced society savage, but that maybe there was more something akin to a worldwide civilization that Hawaii had the traces of at one point, because that's kind of what I see. You know, that's funny you mentioned that. It's kind of synchronicity, because yesterday I had on my show Brian Forrester, who's, uh, you may know, he's a famous uh, guy that checks out megalithic sites. And he used to live here in Hawaii and he was talking about how that this was a, this, the history here is backwards according to some Hawaiians and that actually they were going, this was a kingdom here. This was a big civilization part of a connected islands, which was Mula Maria. And that these people from here went and sailed to Tahiti and had war with them versus the uh, traditional history where the Tahitians came here and caused war with the original hunter-gatherers here. So that's another way of looking at it. And I think all these islands probably were part of something bigger because you have uh, a spot in the middle of this island called the Kukani local birthing stones. And there's stones where the royalty only, the ali'i, would give birth to their children. And these children were anointed uh, as royalty, because these stones are connected to, to the Pallades. And so um, the children that were born there were, were the children of the Hu. But you have to, to, to know that the Hawaiian language has been messed with. They threw out letters. Missionaries wanted to print Bibles faster. So what they did is they simplified the Hawaiian language. So that word instead of Hu would have been Mu, as in Mulamiria. So I think there is something to do with that here. And there, there is one island. I've never really, like, looked on it for this. But apparently on Lanai, which is a small island, there's some evidence of an earlier civilization that has nothing to do with the Hawaiians. Yeah, dude, there's also underwater ruins all across the Pacific Ocean between Hawaii and, I won't say all across, but they've been discovering them 
there have been discovered many of them, <laughs> pyramids and shit. Yes. As if there were a landmass, a very large landmass that sunk there. And this is maybe more far out than people <coughs> can accept. And I'm not saying I believe this or accept it, but I've been taking a look at the idea of the moon being a projected map of our realm, but a map of an earlier time with land masses and some differences in the current land masses. Uh, and again, it's a very far out idea. <laughs> it also requires a different version of earth than a globe to believe that. But interestingly, there is, if you are looking at the moon map as possibly a map, other than there being a ton more land on the realm out beyond the circles that we're currently accepting as being the limits to where we are. Uh, there were, there is a evidence of a huge landmass through this moon map around the Hawaii area. So with the idea of tunnels underneath Hawaiian islands going between them, to me, it could be that, you know, these are ancient structures that, uh, Really, what we have of the islands right now are just the tops of mountains, right? And that the lowlands of this area are just still flooded out. So uh, I'll see if as we go, I can find more images of some of these actual underwater cities that are currently just totally unexplained. Uh, quick Google search hasn't given me what I wanted, but I know I've seen this before. But what also interests me is the kings of Hawaii that were given in terms of like the historical narrative about them. And that I am prepared to screen share. I went into this a little bit on Weaving Spiders Welcome over the weekend. And it's an area that I can't say I've researched it extensively by any means, but I'm interested as crap about this and want people who know more about it to inform me. But, you know, okay, so you could just point at this and say, hey, they were taking on the look and feel of the colonizers but when you look at guys like david king david kalakua right here you've got the maltese cross all over baby and this could be a tartarian symbol and i say tartaria not because i think everything was this one country called tartaria but that's just the catch-all term now for the global civilization that built the uh, amazing architecture that is in my opinion totally impossible for the horse and cart you know 19th century people and 18th century people that the cathedrals and the canals and all that are attributed to just too far beyond so this is just a big area of interest for me and i don't see why supposedly you know native kings would be wearing all of this regalia <laughs> if it wasn't related to something completely different than what we're told these symbols mean if they weren't just appropriated by you know a new gang that wanted to uh also give us a different history so that they could justify their own existence and control over everything so anyway you have any thoughts on all that stuff i just laid out there <laughs> loomis yeah well definitely i do um that's david kalakawa he was a 33rd degree freemason if you go to his um uh his statue it says 33rd three 33rd degree freemason worshipful master on the bottom of his statue and he sold out hawaii the most um see i don't think that every 
Freemason is bad. You know, I mean, there's so many levels and the, any these days anybody can join. But I'm thinking back in those days, that was a little more that really meant something if somebody was some kind of worshipful master. And so he wanted to go around the Polynesia. He wanted all of Polynesia to be one country. And he went around the world and collected jewels for his crown. So he he had a global sense and he sold out Hawaii the most. Um, he got Hawaiians on liquor. Uh, he also, it's just maybe synchronicity, but the main strip in the Waikiki area is called Kalakaua. And it starts with his statue. And it's the most sold out street in Hawaii. Everything's Gucci and um, all the brand name clothes you can think of. It's just like the most non-Hawaii. So it's fitting for him as that that sell out king he was the worst one but when you look at the original king of hawaii which is kamehameha and he would have been the one with all the feathered cape and hat if you do look at his regalia yeah on the right top there he um has the same battle helmet as the spanish conquistadors and you could probably trace that roman Roman, yes yeah right back to romans yep yep Exactly. So there was some contact with that, too, I believe. And we're missing that part of our history out here as well. Wow. So the name David, I mean, that is uh, doesn't sound very Hawaiian to me, (laughs) but uh, just a couple little details about that moon card. It's in the station of Pisces, uh, which is Pacific Ocean. Uh, sign for Pisces is two fish. Pacific Ocean. Yep. Pacific Ocean Pisces. The sign is the two fish swimming around each other. Uh, and Christ is said to be represented by the sign of Pisces. And Christ was of the bloodline of David. So Mm. there's a lot of esoteric threads, uh, weaving in this information in a, in a pretty strong way. Uh, and I like what Mario said about the seven Pleiades that you mentioned being represented by the seven uh, medallions he had there. Yeah, the Hawaiians thought they were connected to the Pleiades in their ancestry. And then you get go back to those birthing stones, too. Hmm. Although I'm, I'm still really into this alternative way of looking at the septenary and even like what is called Pleiades symbolism as maybe being pole star symbolism and the, you know, the bear constellation, which has seven stars, which Mario, I'm sure he's like jumping up and down. (laughs) 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 I've been giving people funny names and as admins and the, the uh, group, the telegram group, Gabriel, did you see what I named Mario? Yes. The pole star dancer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's really into that, but I I love it. I love all the the look, deep looks at the Polaris, and to me, that totally is important. Yeah. Anyway, where were we before I derailed us there? Well, we were talking about the kings. I think you may have had some more questions on the kings, um, but those two were the beginning and the end of the kingdom there. That Kamehameha the first, and then you had David Kawakawa as the last king of Hawaii. He died, his sister took over, then the United States took over uh, pretty much immediately after in 1893. 
Interesting. Is there a, is, so there is no more uh, royalty or bloodlines of the monarchs uh, existent today that we know of? There is like, they're not in public display or anything, but there is people that say they would be the next heir of the kingdom of Hawaii. Okay. I think the problem is, is there's no solidarity, kind of like the truth movement, how there's a lot of people that don't necessarily agree and infight at times. Well, there's kings, there's families here that don't like each other. And so they say, oh, no, I'd be the next king. And I, I think there's a lot of fighting on that, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But I've never met any of these people either. I've just heard of some names. Mm. They stay hidden. Uh, in, is it there, uh, I've heard, and this was a long time ago, but I've heard there's a very, uh, uh, oppositional opinion of people who, with their cars, is that still a thing that like bringing a car to the Island is like, uh, I've heard that it's in inviting resistance from the locals, uh, and that there's a lot of my buddy, he moved there and within a month, somebody stole his car, drove it off a cliff took it on a joyride, drove it off a cliff. He reported it to the cops, and the cops actually told him a name of a suspect without doing any investigation. He said, oh, that was probably so-and-so. So It gave him a name. And so my buddy went to his boss and was like, yeah, the cop said it was probably this one guy. And my buddy's boss took care of it. And it wow. got the, the situation got back channel resolved and they found the car uh joyride like wrecked run off of off the road but it wasn't the cops that solved it the cops gave him the information to go to the back channel to solve it is that something huh. like is that kind of a thing still well not on this island because we have a million and a half people on it um oh. but the rest of hawaii is pretty rural and there's um a good chance that some crackhead type um <laughs> similar to a redneck would steal a car and drive it off a cliff yeah uh but there is a lot of um there still is a little hostility about people moving here especially the rural parts you know yeah. there's a lot of locals that are territorial and they don't really want you know population increase which which i do understand we're only on islands and Sometimes people bring mentalities here that just don't coexist too well. Uh, Hawaii is also stuck in the past a lot, too. There's a lot of people here that, well, this pandemic certainly wasn't good for showing the true colors of Hawaii, but we don't have to get into that. But Yeah, I hear that. I oh, hear right. That. I mean, our, our friend Marty Leeds had to leave. He had a whole homestead thing set up and had been putting a lot of time and work into it, I think for a couple of years and was really nicely set up in Hawaii. And then pandemic got so gnarly that now he's in the frozen Norths of Wisconsin. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Talk about change. Yeah. Well, I think that there is, um, there is, I, I considered even leaving. It was gnarly here and it's still, it's better, but like, those people that want to keep their masks on are still, I mean, I go into the store. We just got done with our mask mandate here like two weeks ago. And I'd say 80 to 90% of people are still wearing masks. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. 
Also, uh, Sarah Miller commented, I've seen the episode where the Brady Bunch went to Hawaii. Did you happen to see Weaving Spiders Welcome last weekend, Sarah Miller? Because Alan Marcus got us to do a table reading of that episode of the Brady Bunch. I was Marsha. Gabriel was uh, Mandy, the beach babe. <laughs> and I just can't believe you would mention that if you ha- hadn't happened to see the that Weaving Spiders episode. Yeah, that so anyway, cool. in that episode, Greg takes a, a rock and it's taboo. He has bad luck over it. Oh, no, I don't think she really saw that. She missed it. Wow. That's a funny sink. So it is. Um, I guess that's a good po- place to segue into maybe talking about like curses and mysticism and taboos. However, before we go there and I ask Loomis about any possible experience with that, uh, people remember that you have all the freedom in the world to ask us questions of, of, of us on screen. If I see them in the, the YouTube chat or the Rockfin chat, I'll do my best to grab them. But if you leave them in the vibrant call-in line on Telegram, which I linked earlier, I will relink. I'm definitely going to notice them there. So we want your input. We want your questions. And... Also, you know, if any of my my regulars are interested in calling in, looking at people like Mario and Rachel and Juan or even somebody new or Snake Jones, you know, just let me know. We can take callers in the next 15 minutes or so. This is a show for everybody. So anyway, all that technical stuff aside, uh, have you got any experience with that or witnessed anything like, you know, taking a lava rock and somebody getting bad luck or? Anything along those lines? Is it just legend or are there maybe some real forces at work from your knowledge? I think there's something real to that, but I can't like be for certain. I think there's a lot of mana, which is spiritual energy out here, that the veil is thinner than a lot of places in the world. And things really do happen in the supernatural a little more here than other places in the world that I know of. Uh, But um there is a lot of anonymous packages of rocks and sand that are mailed back to Hawaii because people say it brought them bad luck. And where that comes from is the goddess of the volcanoes, Pele, who um, y- you take a rock. Well, that's a wayward spirit, and you're bringing it home, and it doesn't belong anywhere but here. So there is truth to that, I've, but I, I haven't personally witnessed anything like that because i know not to do that to bring in other places i guess yeah did you did you say mana mana yeah wow uh that's an interest i don't think i've ever heard that term is that exclusive to the island it's a polynesian word i think it exists throughout polynesia it's it's a word for spiritual energy um yeah it's how you cast spells in world of warcraft you got to have mana oh mana well, they call it mana in like video game culture, but it's probably direct from mana. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's the, the Bible has uh, something about the Israelites were collecting something called mana from the sky. And I, I have no idea what that was, but I don't know if it's even the same thing, but Hawaiians call it mana, which is M-A-N-A. And uh, so do the Maoris of New Zealand and the Tahitians and, all across the Polynesian Triangle, I'm pretty sure it's the same word or very similar. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that points again at similar roots to these cultures, and there's plenty of other evidence beyond that that we're not really looking at this progressivism or uniformitarianism as historians in the mainstream tell us that mm-hmm. humanity has progressed completely in a forward, upward arrow direction. 
to me, it seems more like there was definitely a more interconnected civilization, not even that long ago. And that's why so many of these linguistic roots are so densely tangled up together. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, not to, not to mention that there seemed to have been a megalithic culture that was all related, whether you go to Peru, Egypt, um, it all has a similar construction that's older than any of the cultures that actually were there. They found these spots. In fact, I just came back from Egypt, so I'm full of that right now, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Way cool. How long were you out there? Two weeks. Wow. Did you see yeah. the, big, the big pyramids and the Sphinx and all the goodies? Yes, I did. Yeah. It's oh. kind of been a bucket list item for a while, and my wife wanted to travel there, so... Uh, so we did, but what a hell of a journey it is from here. It makes me not want to fly for a really, really long time. <laughs> oh. uh, so, Lewis, I have a traditional vibrant question. Sure. Uh, what uh, zodiac sign do you identify as? Sagittarius. Awesome. Way cool. All right. Nice. Yourself? Uh, Leo. Leo? Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, since we're on the subject and it does happen to be the first, I mean, it's kind of the first day. It happened yesterday at like 9 p.m. here that the sun went into Taurus mm -hmm. for y'all tropical people, which is how I roll myself. And the lovely, amazing, brilliant Jen Brew has created this Taurus artworks to celebrate all the bull gang in our tribe, of which there are many. Just to list a few, we've got. Uh, Rachel, Gordy, Juan, <laughs> uh, Jim Maiden. Who else is a Taurus? I'm sure I'm forgetting people. I think JLo is one. So if I didn't say your name, sorry, there's just a heck of a lot of you people with the Taurus sign and it is a wonderful time of year. Super happy about it. And this art is lovely and beautiful, but cool, man, that you're a Sag. That means that we have a triplicity of fire going on right now. Aries, nice. Leo, Sag over here. So <laughs> I always nice. like when that happens. Bring Very the good. heat. Fire. <laughs> so are there, um, by chance, uh, are there uh, lighthouses uh, on Hawaii and, do, and how many if there are? Let's see. On this island, I, I can think of two and oh. I can think of one beacon. Um, yeah, I can't. I, not too many other than on this island, because this island, the reason it's the main island is because it's got natural ports. So maybe that's why there's lighthouses here. But I can't think of any other island but this one now that I, oh, no, no, Kauai's got a lighthouse. Okay. Now we must have one, but I can't remember. Big island, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I just did a quick people. Google search on it because I'm interested myself. Lighthouses. Yeah being also sometimes a point of the potential energy grid of the old world antiquitech uh -huh. e ether energy systems. I can't speak about this one. Don't know. That but. one's on Kauai. Yeah. Nice. Secular whale lighthouse. Um, what is kind of interesting is we have a few points on these islands that are really strong. Uh, and the military has put their radar systems on them. And it seems like they do that 
a lot on these strong points. It's like they're maybe stealing the energy. I mean, I don't know what exactly they're be using it for, but or blocking it. But on this island, we have Cayenne Point, and it's a point on the west, and it's got all these military domes on it. And I can think of just about every point that's important in Hawaii seems to have some kind of military FAA or some type of establishment building in one of those areas. Yeah, it sounds... It sounds pretty spot on. So I've got this running theory uh, about uh, volcanoes and their uh, their spiritual significance that, it, that I think gets overlooked and underappreciated a lot. It's, um, you know, the god of the smith or the forge is Vulcan. And he has many other names in other cultures. He's Hephaestus. He's Arjun. It's all this volcano god. And uh, a few months ago, uh, I learned that Sigmund Freud, who was a Jewish fella, he put forward a theory that was highly controversial and has probably been like ignored and walked away from. But I'm trying to trying to keep it in focus because it's beautiful. I think it's powerful and beautiful. But he thinks that uh, Yahweh of the Old Testament was a volcano god. And that Mount Sinai was a volcano. Interesting. And there's a lot. Add a layer onto that too. The uh, very cryptic writer Fulcanelli, who does present some useful information in terms of describing symbolism in his works like Mystery of the Cathedrals, but also seems kind of more like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, talking to people in the know, not really actually trying to reveal to us what is up. But, the, you know, leaving the breadcrumbs, maybe in sort of a revelation of the method way, clearing of karma way for those of us who have the eyes to see and ears to hear and uh, begin to understand what the alchemical meaning of those, you know, statues and things that <laughs> he talks about and the maybe alchemical purpose of cathedrals cathodes if you will power plants possibly of the ancient world and his name falconelli is vulcan l e right so even right there i think it points to the idea that the great artificer the grand architect of the universe in terms of the masonic cosmology which is also the demiurge which is also the same idea like cuz to me to me, in my opinion, all of these mystery cults are basically different flavors of Gnostic and not the kind of Gnostic that I would say is like the good kind. Dog, dog Gnostic, <laughs> dog, <laughs> dogmatic Gnostic, right? Backwards. Mm-hmm. So, right. Um, Falconelli, Vulcan L, right? That's your L being the, the Hebrew El, Elohim, right? El Shaddai. All of that. And there's your Vulcan, who was the crafter. Right. And like, like you're saying, all those military installations and institutions uh, around wherever the lighthouses are, uh, it's very, uh, it lines up perfectly with the concept that, you know, if I, was, if I was more religiously inclined, I would just make a broad brush statement and say, these are the bloodline of Cain. 
Mm. The bloodline of Cain worships the volcano. And uh, they also uh, presume to be the crafters of history. Um, and there's a lot in, in, the, in the words, in the language, those are, that's the, where the breadcrumbs are. Uh, so there's a whole lot more to unweave in there, but I thought I would. Oh, give there's that. so many breadcrumbs in the language. Just the very fact that like you can do a phonetic switch between languages between V and B. And now you've got bell cane, <laughs> two balls in a cane, uh, ball, bell, bull. bull right. Cane. So you're to me real. anyway, that's a connection that. Yeah. And then the other thing I want to make, I guess, as a point for anyone out there, because there's so many different avenues to this type of like mystic or occulted knowledge. I definitely don't believe in <laughs> Vulcan as like a God or a Demiurge or any of that, I, or a Yahweh or an L or any noun <laughs> out there. So uh, I'm not worried about it, but I do think that, I mean, it should just tell you that we're talking about an artificer here. So uh, would it not also be artificial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very crafty. Material craft, they call it the craft, and craft means deception in uh, its etymological origins before it meant art. Yeah, but uh, I think that I mean, I'm just sharing that with you because you're like in a hotbed of where this kind of preconceived notions is one way to say it, another way to say it is your thesis, it's a fun thesis to build upon, you know, depending on what light you want to shine on the idea. But I thought I would share that with you because you mentioned. They call it mana. Yeah. And that's Old Testament term. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I thought I would just share that with you because it's really exciting that you're right there in Hawaii where a lot of this stuff is probably in plain sight. And all of these blood, these kings and locations, they start with a K. Yeah. There's so many K's you just put out there. But the K's should be T's. Because the missionaries changed the letters, uh, they turned the turn the K's to T's, and so there. If you were to do that, Kamehameha would be Ta Mehameha, and it then it starts to be more like Tahitian language and more like Samoan because they have those letters, but Hawaiians don't. And um, I purposely, I think purposely, they did that to throw off their roots of their language. But there is one island on this chain that a lot of people don't know about called Ni'ihau, and it's it's privately owned from the 1800s. Uh, a uh, <clears throat> I think it was a family from New Zealand bought it during the time of of uh, leprosy, which was bad here, and so they bought it from the king for like ten thousand dollars. It's a dry island, not much on it, but they the Hawaiians that live there are a hundred percent. And they never changed their language. So they have like about five added letters in their language that the rest of Hawaii standardized Hawaii does not. So there you might find more uh, authentic Hawaiian because really nobody speaks Hawaiian. It's a dead language, sad to say, but like nobody even speaks it hardly except people that are professors at, at universities here and a few small communities that may practice it. But that island with about 120 Hawaiians, it's privately owned. You can't go there unless you're invited has people speak in the original, more so the original, at least the dialect they spoke on that island. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah. Man, this is a great conversation. This is a nice share. So uh, 
uh, leper colonies are on my list of things to keep an eye out for because um, I think that they have provided in the past um, a perfect safe zone for information that you want to preserve uh, because I, um, I, I think it's the perfect place to hide things, to put treasures and jewels because nobody wants to go around. Not only do they not want to be around lepers, but they're even afraid to be in the space where they have been in the before. So even okay. if they scoot them out, they're afraid that they'll get the leprosy just from coming into the space. So I think of uh, leper colonies as like definitely a place to put your magnifying glass on and look even closer. And that's beautiful. You just, you just confirmed my theory in a major way that the language is the artifact that has been preserved in that location. And now today, it's funny that you say that that's actually what Pierre Sabak calls language. He calls it the artifact. Yeah, I might have been listening to him this morning. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You caught me. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, share that with me later. I'm curious about what he's up to these days. I nice. emailed him. Hopefully, we'll get him on. Man, that is so cool. Uh, you say say it again. Ni how? Yeah, ni. But then there's Molokai. Molokai, you can go to, but it does have the peninsula where they did actually put people with leprosy. See, this this is the opposite of what they did with the pandemic, where they they isolated everybody and shut everything down. When back in those days, I think they were smarter in bringing people to an isolated peninsula that had it, and uh, they were isolated by the world's most tallest sea cliffs. Not that, you know, not that that's a nice thing to do to people, but just to say that's where there is still a few people that have been treated that still have that disease today. And it is a national park. You can go to it. I've never been down there. Uh, it requires a $60 hike. I just don't feel like paying $60 to hike down a sheer cliff and then come back up. They should be paying me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something. Okay. This is totally a little off topic, but yeah. I saw a comment here from our buddy snake. He says English is a slave language. And this is a really common thing said in, in our communities and truth communities. Mm -hmm. But you know, Dylan Sicosio in his new book, God's Acre for the Winds of the Soul, as he's going through in just the very first chapter and breaking down so many amazing linguistic connections and words that you'd never realize had such deep roots that express what the meaning of that word really is, if you know those roots, he points out that it's actually a very superior language in his opinion because of how much information is retained from so many sources of other cultures in one language. And I tend to agree, you know, um, my study, I, I mean, I would have said the same thing that you said there, Snake, not that long ago, because it sort of just gets said a lot. And there is an argument to be made for it. I'm definitely not trying to like poo-poo your comment or anything, brother, but also, on the other hand, what I've come to understand about one of the things that is done as a component to slavery is that you reduce the lexicon of your slaves down to as few words as are absolutely necessary for them to do A, the job that you want them to do, and B, for them to be unable to conceptualize linguistically or imaginarily, therefore, because it's their operating system, 
a life better than what they have as a slave. So that being said, in many ways, English as it is spoken today is a slave language because it's being completely reduced and PC culture is limiting the number of words that you're even allowed to say. And people's vocabulary is diminishing rapidly and cursive is no longer written, which takes away a lot of the possibilities of understanding phonetic switches between one letter and another, like B and F, for example. So, I mean, there's, that argument is accurate that English as it is today has a, a lot of elements that make it slavey. But in the bigger picture and in the expanded view of the philologist's English, <laughs> the Pierre Sabac English, man, it is a, a brilliant language. It shines with so much context to the truth of our world and of many different mystical avenues of thought if you're able to you know if you're able to comprehend if you have the eyes to see so that's just like a caveat i wanted to make because when i read that in dylan's book i was like oh light bulb moment he's right that is a good perspective flip that actually we have it's a very advantageous language in a lot of ways if you're able to also put it in context with other languages by itself maybe not so much and and as it's spoken today not so much Anyway, that was a big ramble. <laughs> well, I might add to that that, um, I mean, if you look at it just symbolically, like the letters, like the letter, the capital A has a pyramid inside of it. I mean, there is some symbology in there. I mean, I don't know what it, I, I should, you know, we should look further into it. But um, it is, if I travel, I'm a world traveler, even though I'm, I didn't get anything in my arm, but I, I have been in the past and, um, most countries, the secondary language is English. So it is almost like, it is almost like the language they want you to have. And I can say as an ex hip hop artist back in the day, when Mm -hmm. I I had a friend that was Vietnamese that said, well, English doesn't flow to him. Not just because he was Vietnamese, but because we have too many connector words. So it doesn't flow out the mouth as good as some other languages. So it's, it's interesting. I don't know if it's a slave language, but it certainly is a language that they kind of want everybody to speak on the planet more so than Spanish, more so than, uh, you know, Arabic or any other language that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a really interesting uh, topic. I I totally see it in both ways, you know, uh, When when English was brought into uh, the legal system in Europe, uh, French was dominating the courts. French was the the vehicle of of law. And when they brought English in, they gave it this pet name that is kind of revealing and kind of lends to what Snake was saying. They called it the language of the pleading. And so just in that context, it implies that victim stance that you're going to be the, you know, the, the, the plaintiff generally. Um, but uh, I also, I totally dig what you're saying, Chance, that it's, you know, it's expounded. It's, it's uh, gone global to a large degree. That's a great point. Another point, though, in favor of it being a slave language would be if you did come and take over an area like Hawaii and then your missionaries are like, 
this is your new language. And also we're going to change all the T's to K's. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you no longer have the language in which all your history was written or the oral tradition for that mm-hmm. history and that mm-hmm. mythology was, was uh, pervaded, then yeah, absolutely. Without your roots, you are much more easily manipulated, controlled and enslaved. So it's not really an either or question, but there are, you know, a Gen X rated set over here on the rock fence side, Marty Leeds changed my perspective on English. And then when you get into it on the mystical level, the gematrological level, mm-hmm. there's something really amazing about that language, but that probably applies to all of the spoken tongues on the earth because we're ultimately talking about the logos and that aspect and that expression of throat chakra and how imagination is the portal to source. And through that, we are deriving everything in terms of communication and, and symbol, right? So there's something magical about it. I would love someday to uh, have a printout or just a visual uh, uh, graph of the, how many words are in the, the most common languages. You know, I've heard that uh, uh, English is up to a million and, oh, that's a good yeah. point. English is a master and slave language. Right. <laughs> now I get what you're conveying for there sure. That's a go. really good way of putting it. That's well put. Yeah. So the masters get all the terms of art, you know, the alternative dictionaries, the Black's Law, the medical dictionaries, very Greek oriented. Nice, Snake. Nice. Yeah, that's good. But uh, so, yeah, it would be nice to see all the languages and how many words they have each. Like in a graph was organized and laid out uh, because like I've also read that Hebrew has in, uh, far less words in their language. Thirty three, three hundred and thirty thousand as opposed to ours is about a million I've heard. And that is it's just interesting because just by the numbers, that means they're conservative. They don't take on any neologisms. And we are the kind of seem to be the opposite of that, you know? Well, their language also has, um, their language also has, uh, every, every letter is a, is a number, right? I think it's Hebrew. You got it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so you got the V that equals six. And so a lot of people back in the day were talking about the three V's on the, uh, energy drink logo, six, six, six. Yep. Oh yeah. Monster. Yeah, monster. It's called monster. Yeah. Yes. You know, so, so it's so, uh, it, the 666 is, uh, it's wild to like look back and, uh, it reveals and you're like, oh, it was there all along. It's like this funky revelation. It's been on my mind a lot lately and it, and not necessarily in an evil context. Um, but like somebody pointed out that when you do the peace sign, that you're flashing one, two, three, Vavs. Vav means nail. And so if you have three nails in a peace sign, it means 666. Interesting. And that is a, and this sign is allegedly handed over from Aleister Crowley to Winston Churchill. And so everybody who's like flashing the peace sign, you know, that's not what they intended. They're not trying to give Aleister Crowley any energy or loosh. That's not the point. Uh, but it is very interesting uh, how many places 666 pops up in culture. Uh, 
And it makes me think of that bloodline of Cain, those crafty fuckers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, oh, yeah. SB wants to jump in. So a guy that I learned a lot from back, and, and he's still around, is, is Freeman. Uh, you guys might know Freeman, but he, he did the corporate logos way back and wow. taught, taught pretty much the world about how a lot of these symbols of all the corporate logos are, are used in um, rituals and Masonic symbolism, and it's, it's pretty interesting. And that kind of gave me a base to go off of, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. look what we got there. Davin shared this. Thank you. This is what the call-in line is all about. You guys can source images for us. I love it. Right on. Yeah, I Maledictus saw... Maledictus is one of the words there. Is that like... Does that mean like bad words? <laughs> Maledictus? Yeah, as opposed yeah. to a benediction? Benediction. That is trippy. Interesting. It says like on the left, per benediction, which would be like for blessing right and then maledictus would be for curse and you can see there's the shadow of this like demonic looking figure right. to the left of the peace sign or under the peace sign very interesting That's hey good. welcome sb how you doing my friend yeah. doing good what's up y'all thanks for calling in greetings yeah for sure i saw somebody one left time a voice message but now that you've called in we, we can just hear it live yeah yeah let me turn this light off i don't need that one um I just said that uh, I think you guys are right on point with the whole, uh, and I only just jumped in right here in the last 10, 15 minutes. So I haven't really heard the whole, uh, the whole dealy wop, you know, um, but the whole the idea has been a lot about Hawaii, which actually is fun because it coincides with some of what we weaved on last weekend. Yeah. Makes me think we got to jump back to that uh, Mark Twain book and check it out. I've got it on my shelf somewhere. Um he wrote that book when he was still just an up and coming, not famous yet, you know, not the most well-known writer and most popular writer in the world. And I'm sure there's a lot of information in there for people like us with eyes to see and ears to hear. And that's all I said in the comment was that, uh, I think it's true that English was designed, um, with very specific things in mind. And it was designed with the idea to be the forced language onto conquered peoples, but that it was also designed with the makers in mind. And so that if you understood magic and hermeticism and all the component parts, then you can speak above the gloss and, and not just speak above it, but you can manifest above the gloss and create. And at the same time you create, you can also bind. So to me, it's a, like it's the most terrific magical language that I've ever seen any evidence of. Now, I'm not a huge language buff, but I mean, I do. I call myself a word nerd. They, they, call, they say a snoot. You ever heard that term snoot? Nice. You know, we're all snoots, you know, people who love to look up etymology and uh, seek out green language ciphers and all that kind of stuff, you know. Well, hey, do you have anything uh, you might want to ask Loomis? He's an awesome podcaster. He has a show called Chant It Down. I know you just joined us recently. He's local to Hawaii. He had an experience in the late 90s where an insider to the system basically broke it all down, told him about weather warfare, gave him the heads up about something big coming and uh, the Bush being involved, right? And then 9-11 happened a couple of years later. Uh, wow. Anything that you might want to ask a, a seasoned conspiracy researcher and podcast host like this awesome dude? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that's uh, that's just wow. You know, and I've definitely, I've definitely caught your stuff before. I don't know if it was just because you've been on here with Chance that I checked it out because I subscribe to almost everything that anybody I'm already following, if they bring new people on, I just go add it to my pod reader 
and I recognize chanted down that I think I, I think I, think I was, maybe episode. it was from me going on there. It might've been, it might've been, it's probably three or four months ago now. But yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, with that kind of insight, uh, I mean, how did that make you feel? Like, did, did, it, was, did it just like blow you out of the water to have somebody kind of clue you in and give you a heads up and then see it happen? Or, I mean, do you remember like your full blown reaction? It, it made me feel, um, kind of scared. I, I, well, it made me feel empowered and scared at the same time because here I had known about something then I, and I didn't really know what to think of it. And then the ball dropped and it happened, but it put me on a path that, um, I feel has been guided divinely because <clears throat> what happened the end of that day, there's a lot I can explain. I, I, I mean, there's, I did a whole show on it one time, but at the end of that day, I turned the news off. I watched enough of that bullshit and I went on to AM radio and I was just turning the dial around and I heard this voice talking and I thought it was uh, David Ike, but it turned out to be Jim Mars, but they were talking about 9-11 that day. And I was like, Whoa, wait, these guys are actually speaking about what that guy told me about somewhat. And I was like, wow, I'm going to buy this guy's book. So from there I bought, I thought it was David Icke, but it was really Jim Mars. I don't know why I thought it was David Icke, but I bought, I ended up um, getting David Icke's book, children of the matrix at the time. And then that set me on a path of reading that and blowing my mind on some pretty crazy information. And then, huh, and then, you know, from there, it just kind of, built up a arsenal. I, I guess I didn't explain to you guys that I met two insiders. So, and I think the reason why I was able to do so is because living in synchronicity and not having a job in these p time periods allowed me to experience a little more than someone who's working the eight to five system jobs and being locked into time. But I, in 2008, I met another person who was a son of a CIA scientist my ex-wife was um, saying, hey, there's this guy. He knows about chemtrails. You should talk to him. You're into chemtrails as if it's like something I'm actually into, some kind of hobby. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went and talked to him thinking that I was going to tell him, oh, I, with my ego, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to blow this guy's mind. It turns <laughs> out he blew my mind, and I actually had to come back and take notes from this guy. So he had a whole you know, he wasn't a big insider like the first guy I met, but he had a big insight into just the, the you know, that aspect of things mainly. Right. Um, but wow, that was, and then I realized that I was on some kind of path and that's when, you know, like you asked me how it feels and I, I guess it felt um, kind of divine that, you know, I must be meant to know this information because it came to me. I didn't go looking for it. Here, here, man. I, I have a similar uh, journey now. No insiders involved, but you know, just people uh, leaving books behind at their kids' houses. And I found a, a book called Pawns in the Game by, uh, of course, a naval intelligence officer out of Canada named William Guy Carr, and it uh, totally exposes the the symbolism on the dollar bill and exposes uh, all the Freemasonic hijinks and stuff. And uh, and after that, I actually fell back asleep for a while. Like I didn't forget everything. But I quit studying it and I quit really caring and I just went back to kind of a normal life. And I would say my story parallels yours also in the fact of uh, for a good, good portion of my life, I just took care of a man in a wheelchair. And um, it was kind of like a fantasy life. You know, it was really hard to do, be a caregiver, but I was cut out perfectly for it because I come from a long line of nurses and, and medical professionals. 
And uh, so I just lived with him 24-7 and didn't work a regular job. So we would be listening to podcasts and studying all day, every day, you know, and it frees up so much of your time if you're not tied to the routine, you know, to the social routine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer, man. I appreciate it. And nice to meet you. And uh, yeah, I nice always love the title of your broadcast. Um, you know, I just assume it means to, you know, kind of like to, to sing, to sing, sing your own magic back at the black magic that they're throwing at us. But I guess that would be a, a secondary question is uh, if you wanted to give us the, the reason that you chose to chant it down, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I meant, I, uh, chance asked me earlier, but basically what it was is, uh, a group of my friends, we always said, people don't chant it down. They don't know the truth. They're not chanting down the system. And so um, it just became this thing like, oh, that, that asshole, he doesn't chant it down. So I was like, it seemed appropriate at the time. And if you listen to my earliest episodes, I included these friends at, that we talked like this, and but it didn't really work out to do the group effort. So anyway, but... um it became chant it down radio just because we want to chant down the system and get to the truth. Yeah. Here, here. I'm going to say that from now on. I'm going to tell it. people you got to, you got to chant it down, man. Chant it yeah. down. Don't be afraid. If you sit on the bus and hear the bullshit, chant it down. Right. Yeah. S B S B S B. Awesome. You know, so, yeah, I have another question for you, Loomis, uh, yeah. but I can hold it. Was someone else about to make a comment? No, no, go ahead, man. I was just going to say that I love that uh, in, anywhere I can find people talking about um, the mystery of the English language, I'm happy. You know, that's why I had to push the button and, and send a comment in because it's like, I've always been really mad my whole life that, uh, that they don't, that they don't conscript us into other languages like they do the rest of the world. You know, like almost all the people I know internationally they're minimum uh, bilingual, if not like full-blown polyglots, you know. I know uh, girls who are just 20, 25 years old. They know six languages. They're working on the seventh. They're mad because they're not fluent yet. And I'm like, man, I can just barely speak English. <laughs> yep, we are the deaf Phoenicians up in here. We are. <laughs> but if you think about it, too, we don't border anything but Mexico, Hawaii, or you know, America that speaks a different language. Where in Europe, you, they border all kinds of. So we, they true, have, that's true. We have less of an excuse. I, I don't know. I mean, no, America, that's that's logical though. That's good. That's a good point. And I do know, uh, you know, some Spanish. It's pretty weak, but I've studied it on and off my whole life. Uh, just intentionally, I used to uh, jump on the Duolingo and just, you know, do a minimum of five minutes almost every night. You know, I don't remember how I fell out of the habit. Maybe I should pick it back up, but because I got. I used to live in the Walla Walla Valley and there's uh, lots of immigrant farm workers there. So we used to pick up a lot of Spanish just from kicking it, you know, because a lot of those guys, would, you know, you, you could tell which ones uh, really weren't um, bilingual and which ones preferred not to talk to, uh, to the white people. And they would pretend to be uh, only speak Spanish. And then if you were cool, they would talk to you and then you get to play the secret with them, you know, like, all right, well, I won't tell them that you could talk you know (laughs) yeah when you have two languages up your sleeve i mean there's so much you can do with that uh here's just like a fact from dylan's aforementioned i already brought this book up but his new book uh a god's acre for the winds of the soul the german word for lying is lugend which comes from legend 
<laughs> because legends were associated with not being true, much like fables. Just little things yeah. like that are so amazing to know. Oh, yeah, I like this so comment. I like this comment right here. It says, learning another language opens a window into the world that we don't even realize exists until we do it. That's right. What up, Reagan? Yeah, man. Good call, buddy. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I mean, as a master's in slave language, I believe that the, um, you know, the priest class of old, they didn't just know English. They had Latin. They had Greek ready to go. And probably, I'm probably leaving something out there in terms of their toolkit. Yeah. They say, but definitely they say, those two. They say that the standard scribe's desk had the three dictionaries. One was Hebrew translation. Oh, right. Hebrew, of course. Yeah. Hebrew into Greek and Latin. Uh, Latin into Hebrew and Greek, and then Greek into Latin and Hebrew. And that those three books are the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Yeah, that's the split. That makes me want to get those books and put them on my desk just so that I'm, uh, <laughs> so that I have the symbolic tool there, even if I'm not using it very much. At least it's still sitting there. Exactly. Now you, and then you'll be a three wise man. <laughs> yeah, that'll be thrice great. <laughs> hey, so Loomis, I've only been to Hawaii one time myself, and this was, man, it was like 20, yeah, just like right into 20, beginning of 2013, I want to say, something like that. And it was right at the beginning of me having, I don't know, growing up, what you would call the spiritual awakening that part of my life. And I remember very distinctly that one of the aspects of changing my life that occurred at that time was going to Hawaii and uh, spending time in the nature there. And for the first time in my entire life up that, up to that point, you know, being like a, a spoiled uh, suburb kid from the Midwest, I finally had a time where nature spoke to me where I felt like that there was a life force energy that I was a part of that was bigger and all pervasive to the universe. And man, those jungles in Hawaii, there's something different there because it's like this huge, huge, expansive, vibrant life that is everywhere while at the same time missing a lot of those elements of like, sharp edges metaphorically and danger and predators and poison. You know what I mean? It's like just this literal paradise, but where you can just feel how much um, you can feel how much nature loves you and wants you to vibrate at a higher level. So it totally changed my life. I never felt disconnected from nature again after that trip. And I'm wondering, have you had any kind of experiences of that nature in Hawaii or do you have any thoughts on what I'm saying here? Well, yeah, I do. I do have thoughts on that. I, the thing of, like I was saying earlier, I think there's the veil is thinner here between the spiritual energy than some other places. Um, the, the, some people, Hawaii just gets in their blood and they move here because they fell in love with it. And of course there's more to it than just being on vacation. But um, I would say, that um, where I felt the most of that, and that's that's mana again. What you're talking about is mm-hmm. the spiritual energy, and that on the Nepali coast of Kauai, that I felt 
some amazing energies where I felt very connected. Okay, yeah, I was on mushrooms, but I, I still, I still felt like that that you don't even need it to be in there and and get that. Um, there are some spots in Hawaii that I can think of uh, where you can go and you can take in some energy. A good friend of mine, shout out to Double A on Maui if he's listening. Uh, he goes deep places. He doesn't work a job at all, and he lives out of his van and just roughs it, but. He goes into places and he gathers the mana, the spiritual energy, and he comes out and he's so different than these people that have been, you know, working all day that he blows their mind with these energies that he has. And he, and he swears it, 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 something attaches to him and he comes out like that. I don't know if that's a great answer or not, but hopefully that's kind of something you kind of goes in line with what you're talking about. Well, when you say the veil is thinner there, it does remind me too of some. Uh, you know, woo woo new age people that will say that the Hawaiian region is actually the third eye chakra of earth. I am not making that claim myself, but it is an interesting congruence with the idea of there being a more accessible mystical force there or that we can see further. And just to add to that, I've been told to by a Hawaiian lady that the there's eight Hawaiian islands, but they go along with the chakras as well. And one thing is, is every other one is male or female energy. Um, with starting Kauai would be female and Oahu here is male and Maui's female, uh, Molokai's male, Lanai's female, Maui's a big island is male and and there is and, and there is that energy like this island has more of a you know like kind of a, a masculine energy where Maui's more like I don't know more divine feminine um, so there, there is that to add in there too that's interesting do you do you get those genders by their name or do, are you just first from being there you learned that they're just from genders? Say what was the last part you said? How do you distinguish which one is male and female just from their name or? No, from their energy. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely say that here in Big Island are both very male. And um, you just get a different, like, more raw vibe off of this island and Big Island compared to Maui and Kauai, which are a little more, I don't know. I, I can't say female, but a different, more loving energy than the raw, like, energy you get here. That's cool. Yeah. It made me curious about, uh, so I I've, I've followed for, uh, I'm still in the group, but it's not as active as it used to be. But there's a, a unique flat earth group. It's called uh, Ethiopian Enoch Square Flat Fact or something like that. You know, like, it's a, it's a study of the... Um, the book of Enoch is specifically the 72nd chapter of Enoch describes the uh, sun and moon traveling through gateways. And if you really uh, study this system that they've kind of uh, figured out, you can, you can really change your perspective on the, the flat earth. And uh, Hawaii was always a big piece of it because, um, well, there's a, you know, the, the theory gets pretty far out by most people's standards. Like, like the idea that the Pacific ocean isn't nearly as big as it is like, it, like probably, like 80% smaller and um, the sun um, 
that you can see the green flash even better uh, in uh, off the in the west. And uh, so I guess that made me curious to ask you that. Have you ever observed that that green flash in the sun in the Pacific Ocean over and over again? No, I never have. And and it's always that thing that people say, look for the green flash, and I've, I've never done it. It's almost like maybe some camera shutters pick it up, but I personally have seen a lot of sunsets, and I've never seen it. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that made me think of that. The way we, we used to, back in the day, when because we used to do a lot of like uh, group planning together and do like synchronized shots, like someone who would be in um, – a part of the world where the sun had already set and you could see the moon in um, darkness would, would line up and take photography at the identical time with someone who could see the moon in broad daylight. And we came to the determination and we think that there's actually um, like two moons that they perfectly uh, work in cycles so that you're never seeing them both in the sky at the same time. Because we couldn't really come up with another explanation as why you would be seeing the moon in broad daylight and the moon in complete darkness and it was slightly rotated. So it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like you're seeing it from a truly different perspective. It was just like, it was rotated like a wheel, you know, maybe 30 or 60 degrees, depending on the, the time of the shot. But there was a lot of that kind of work going on where people would team up and, um, try to make group observations, you know, uh, follow the shadows on the ground, and I mean, just way more. I've always been meaning to try to put all this information together. Um, I made it, I wrote a thread on Twitter about it one time that has a lot of uh, info dumped in there. But uh, yeah, back in the day, we would have been like uh, insisting that you make specific observations for us. But I can't think of anything now that would be prescient to ask, you know, like like something specific to look for. But back when we were all active, it's like if we had someone in, uh, in Hawaii, we, we would have uh, saw that as a really... Um, a valuable position, you know? Yeah. The only thing I can think of with the green flash as an idea to explain it would be the ether being electrified. Well, the ether basically energizing the helium and xenon in the atmosphere at the same time. Yeah. Xenon being the neon color for, or the noble gas that produces blue light when electrified and helium producing yellow light. So, you know, yellow plus blue equals green. I love that you're so knowledgeable, man. So many people don't I even had to know Google it to find out which gases did what. Yeah, but I know that but, the, that's why we get the color of sky that we do. Is Right. The noble gases in the sky are really the light. And people, you know, the, the sun is, is more like the reactor or the, um, there's a better word than that. You know, can't think of the word. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very, I'm really wondering about the sun. Uh, to me, I think it could be kind of more like the phenomenon of, on a big scale of when you take sunlight and reflect it on a mirror and direct to that reflection at a single point and how hot that gets. I think that might be what the sun is, but at a bigger level. Yeah. I wonder too, something like that. That's what I was trying. I can't, I can't think of it. I mean, word. that's the whole idea of the, I think that's what is being talked about with the central sun idea or the hidden sun, the black sun, yeah. the vortex of the North pole. You know, all the Nazi symbolism has got that black sun thing going on. And mm-hmm. supposedly that's where the the giants or the Aryan race is at. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, well, that's where Adam, that's you know, Adam and Cain. Well, Cain was supposed to be asleep in the center of the earth underneath the black sun. So and so that that symbolism is redundant across lots of different stories. Interesting. There's that volcano in the earth again. 
Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be, maybe that's their Vulcan. <laughs> Interesting. And it's kind of an artificer because it's projecting the image in a sense of the sun and moon as yes. a plasma phenomenon, but not real. They're not really as solid as they, as they appear. And right. part of the artifice of the craft is this heliocentrism, you know, redirecting, Hey, look over here. This is the thing. This is your God. When really they're, they're like taking all the ju- juju from the middle right? That we're off balance with it. You know, the um, green color you guys were talking about, I, I flew over the North pole and I saw really, yeah. So I, I, on one of my flights, um, you can do that. Yep. That's what they do. I had to fly from LA to Dubai in order to get there. The quickest you go North pole. So I knew they didn't say anything on the plane, but I knew to look out at night and look for the Aurora Borealis. So I, I opened the window and I'm looking out there and sure enough, just the right timing. And I saw that green light just floating right there. And that reminds me because you were talking about <clears throat> the color green, that green flash and the gases and everything. Just thought I'd throw that in there. That's cool. Yeah, that's gorgeous. We yeah. saw it once in the Walla Walla Valley. It was so shocking to us that my friend actually called his dad at three o'clock in the morning and woke him up. And uh, because we were just dumbfounded, you know, we were awest- literally awestruck because uh, Walla Walla obviously is not usually having a uh, Aurora Borealis, a huge red ribbon across the sky. And it stayed for like an hour. And we were just all standing out there with our, our jaws gaping open. And so that's the only time I've seen it. Oh, I was going to say there's a meme. I'll, I'll look and try to find it in my Google Drive of uh of the green flash being compared to the um to the dividing of the prism like uh it's got that picture that famous picture of uh Sir Isaac Newton with a hole in the wall and he's catching the light coming through the wall and dividing it through the prism and um you know so there's a theory that the the light is uh traveling through or across or against whatever the sun is in such a way that when it hits a certain angle that is coming through like the prism, you know, that for just a minute, it's like you see the edge of whatever it is, you know, I was to find that meme. You guys got me thinking about square flat earth. It's been a while. <laughs> nice. Uh, so Lumas, were you there when the, that most recent volcano uh, went down? Um, a couple, about five years ago. I thought it was more recent than that. Wasn't there a, wasn't there one right around when Marty, right before the lockdowns? I thought there was. I, I think it reawoken, but it didn't do a whole lot like it did in 2018 when it really uh, took over. But the thing about that was, just like the media does with everything else, is they were showing zeroing in on one place, and all you saw in the news was destruction, and people stopped coming here for visiting because they thought it was. <laughs> this island blowing up and everything. So it was just a small section of big island that had all the okay. lava flowing. It did take over some houses. I found it kind of interesting that they went through a cemetery and some graves got mauled over and some, the lava went around. Wow. Oh, God's <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, green flash, what's up, Davin? What's up? Welcome. Welcome brother. Davin had uh, an interesting story he wanted to relate to us about uh, an experience in Hawaii. And the green does tie into it, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Are you guys uh, familiar with Arrowhead? Yeah. 
Airwood, where people give their trip reports of various psychoactives. Yeah, one of the best uh, resources for learning about drugs uh, on the web. Yeah, they got it's you know it's a big resource of all kinds of things related to the uh, the entheogens and the psychedelics and all of this stuff. But yeah, my favorite section is the one with the trip reports and um, <laughs> a lot of this stuff. I mean, some of it's hilarious. I, I've I've spent like hours reading that stuff. But anyhow, when when Chance was talking about in Hawaii, I was like, oh my god, I had a totally similar experience. I mean, I didn't hear his full experience, but I mean, the essence of it, like picking up on this nature energy in, in a kind of strong and different way. And it kind of like hitting you over the head like, whoa, that was that was something I had an experience. Should I go ahead and uh, let it rip? Yeah, yeah buddy. I mean, let it rip. I, I mean, it's 420 right now. So I feel like this is uh, divinely <laughs> appropriate. Yeah. Chant it down. Land. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> I wrote this one up a while ago and I, I even kind of forgot about it. And then when Chance was talking about that, it just totally reminded me. All right, here we go. So, all right. So I don't have to give like the background. You guys are already familiar with Airwid and the, the whole thing with trip reports. So here goes mine. Um, experience I'm about to describe was so powerful and profound. I am not entirely certain that it can be solely attributed to the consumption of the Mary Jane. But I had no other intoxicants in my system. I had not consumed any other intoxicants for a long time previous to this experience, with the exception of some minor social alcohol. Uh, I was very familiar with the effects of Mary Jane before I had the experience I will be describing here. But for some reason, it was unlike any experience I have ever had before or since while smoking Mary Jane. For that reason, and because of how profound it was, this experience, to my mind anyhow, approaches the paranormal. So they ask for certain things with Airwood. They, you know, like the more detailed, the better. They want set and setting. They want the experience description, etc. So set and setting. I'm in my late twenties. I'd arrived in Hawaii for my brother's wedding, and I was at a really good place in my life mentally, even before the wedding. And now I'm in Hawaii. I was very happy to be with family. Um, and the whole family came out. So it was like big family reunion on top of a wedding. Everybody else was happy. So there was just positive vibes all around. My soon-to-be brother-in-law takes my cousin and I to a local beach near his house, which had the advantage of being less populated by like tourists. Um, you know, it was like just local and really low-key, um, calm, cool and collected, chill type of beach. You know, not a lot of tourists and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, all right, set and setting. How are you going to get any better than this? So the experience goes like this. Um, my cousin pulls, uh, you know, out of her purse and we pass it around. And I hadn't done this in a long time. And you know how if you haven't done it in a long time, the effects are like that much stronger. Like, you know, you take a good long break in between and then you go back to it. And you're like, whoa, you know, like, so anyhow, that's what happened to me. Hadn't, and, um, my cousin tends to like, she's just one of those people. She knows where to get the best. Like always, she just, you know, so that's what happened. So um, effects are coming on so much stronger because it's been a long time. I start to realize that I'm like, I'm too out there to function or to be sociable or try to act like a normal person, you know, but it's no problem. Cause I'm, you know, we're just chilling at the beach. So I lay back and I close my eyes and I'm just like taking a fake nap, you know, just going to lay there with my eyes closed. I'm all happy. I'm, I'm chilling out. Um, 
And then I'm like, I'll just do this until I stop like peeking so hard. And then I'll be able to ease back into like trying to pretend I'm a normal person, you know? So uh, I'm, I'm laid back. I got my eyes closed, taking a fake nap. I'm, I'm laying there, not a care in the world. And I'm just really enjoying how relaxing the sound of the ocean is. Um, I start to notice some strange things I had never noticed before. So each time I hear the waves crash, I feel the sand beneath me. It felt, it felt like it shifted. Like the waves would cry. I would hear the crash. And it felt like it actually like pushed me backwards a little bit. Now this is not actually happening. This is, you know, this is the experience. So I start to realize like, Oh my God, this is synesthesia. You know, when your senses start to blend together, like the sounds and the feelings and the body dynamics and the, you know, when the stuff starts. So it was synesthesia. Synesthesia is when your senses blend together. You know, you start to perceive like you're, uh, you guys familiar with this term? I, I'll, maybe I should yeah. stop beating yeah. around with that. Oh, okay. yeah. So anyhow, I to talk about yeah. synesthesia. I'm fascinated by it, and I think it's important. And it's like I think super maybe related humans to- used to be totally synesthetic, and we've split ourselves up in terms of our five sense prison prism. Yeah, and it's um, it's also now that I think about it, totally related to the to the work that you do, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's like uh, I don't know. I I bet we haven't really fully explored like the science behind what is what is going on with this. It's not just hallucination. There's something else going on, you know. But anyhow, so I start to realize like, okay, this must be what people are talking about. They talk about synesthesia. I feel like like I hear the waves crash. It feel it makes it feel like the sand shifted. Um. Oh, I lost my place in the text. Give me a quick second. Here we go. I feel like the ocean is rocking me back and forth like a baby in a cradle or something. And in my mind, I'm sort of questioning, is this even possible? I mean, like, I, I must be really stoned, right? So after this, the synesthesia just intensifies more and more until I'm pitched into, like, a really profound mystical experience. I start to hear a low buzzing sound. It, it's like um, sort of like a didgeridoo. Mm. And, and so I'm hearing this, like, oh, and it, it's, it's starting to get, like, more and more intense. It sounds like it's far away. It starts to get closer. It starts to get louder. It starts to like resonate in my body. My body's vibrating. The, ohm, the, dude. the ocean is still crashing. It's still rocking me back and forth with the baby of the cradle. And I start to get the perception that the sound that I'm hearing, this didgeridoo sound is coming from the sun. And as this Whoa. is building up, all of this stuff is building up in intensity and then it recedes and goes away. And then it comes back like intense and then it goes away. And then it comes, it's like a, you know, like a cycle. So as the waves are coming in crashing, the sound is coming in like loud and then quiet. The wind is starting to blow in like the, you know, you're, I'm like bacon hot. It's the sun. I'm really fair skinned. The sun is just boiling me alive. And then all of a sudden the breeze comes through and I feel like all cool again. So all of these things start to sync up like the hot and the cool, the, the wind, the sound of the ocean crashing and then receding, crashing, receding, the feeling of being rocked back and forth and the sun going, whoa, whoa, all of these things like sync up in the same rhythm together. So it's like intense and then it recedes intense and it, and it recedes. So as this happens, I have the perception that everything is live. Oh, and here's a really big thing. When I started to get the perception that the sound was coming from the sun, I had that same feeling that you have. Have you ever been in a room somewhere and somebody walks in? You, you sure that actually, wasn't a DMT You didn't actually joint, hear dude? them. Huh? You sure that joint wasn't laced with DMT? <laughs> we'll get to no, that I later. Know cannabis but, can do this. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like this you know is that very f- much feeling like a low, when, when somebody, low dose DMT experience. 
that that feeling when somebody walks into a room and you didn't actually hear them come in, you felt them come in and you turn around like, oh, there's somebody there. That was my perception with the sun. Like I was like, oh, there's this big alive thing right there and I'm connected to it. And I had the perception that that everything is alive. So I am not alive in a world of dead matter. Every single thing is alive and buzzing to the same didgeridoo sound. True. And it's the same thing as being like a surfer on a surfboard, the way that they're riding the wave of the ocean. The same mm-hmm. thing, the, 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 whatever this wave of lifeness is, is, is like carrying me along the same way it carries a surfer along the, on the surfboard. And yeah, my, my fear of death completely 100% vanished immediately. It was like gone, extinguished because there is no, I, there is no death. There's no such thing. Every single thing is alive. That's awesome. It, it was, uh, um, I, th- oh, I, did I leave anything out? I think that's it. Yeah. That, that covers it. That's beautiful, dude. Yeah. Damn. Everybody could use an experience like that to a show them that everything's alive and the rhythm of that and that it's all sound and also to help alleviate mm-hmm. that fear of the, illusion of separation that death is programmed into us. I mean, this episode was called deprogram the deep program. What's a deeper program than the whole death myth? Fear of death is what man, what controls everyone. If everyone can forfeit their fear of death, then the, the realm would transform with immediacy. Mm-hmm. It would change now. If everyone would just release their fear of death, then all of the systems would literally just disintegrate. They would turn into dust and fly away because that's, right. that's all that, that's all that's, that's, that's the underlying either half conscious or completely subconscious thing that has everybody prompted to do things that they'd prefer not do. Right. Yep. If you don't, and, you know, and since you're a little, ever since you're a little tiny kid, cause this ties into the work that Beth taught me, this release work, you know, you have this, uh, internal voice we got all these tape recordings that uh, other people helped us make since we were little kids running on our head and then that we learned to make for ourselves and we tell ourselves all these stories and they're not true for the most part you know they're almost never true and you believe them but if you start to let them go and really start to let them go the voice starts to freak out and that's what it starts screaming you're going to die you're going to die you're going to die if you let go of that feeling of guilt you're going to die it's not true and if you let it go you you get high as fuck like you, there's no really way to describe it. The only thing I could think to describe it is like being on stage playing rock and roll or something, you know, like a performative act where you're getting a huge draw of energy from people. But um, that's a thank you so much, Devin. That's great, man. So did you get this experience in in Hawaii? So do you think Hawaii brought it on or you were just in the right place in the right time smoking a joint? Uh, I had to put my sunglasses on because we're talking about the sun and we're talking about Hawaii and that stuff that SB just said. I just, I, I had to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, I'm sorry. Anyhow. You're just so um, bright. You got to wear I don't know. I, it was that I, cool. I actually, I've kind of wondered about that and I, I have no idea. Like, was it what, you know, did Hawaii have something to do with it? Was it something geographical, locational? Was there an aspect of that to it? Maybe I have no idea. Um, it it was so different from anything I've ever experienced in my life before or since that, like, I don't know exactly what to attribute it to. And like, like to me, I'm like, this was paranormal. This was not like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I can blame it on the intoxicants or the, the, this, the other thing, that thing, the other, I'm like, it was, it was like so many different things coming together at the same time. 
Like I can't even tell this story or write it up in text properly right. because I can't get it all out. Like the, like the thing that I wrote and that I just read was like uh, an effort to put it into text as best as I could. And, and I was like, this isn't even doing it justice, but this is the best I can do. And I'm just going to throw it out there because I kind of felt like I wanted this story to be told. And I just, I finished writing and I'm like, there you go. So yeah, I mean, was it, was it Hawaii? Was it geographical locational? I have no idea. I mean, there's people who've done those excellent work into a, uh, what is that called? Like the, um, um, oh, what is the word for that? Those, the, you know, like the locational grid that goes around the earth. The dragon lines, ley lines, ley lines, ley lines. Exactly. So, like, yeah, I, I, I do sometimes wonder. I don't know. Did yeah, you my interestingly, my uh, experience in Hawaii that had me feeling connected to nature in a whole new way was also a head change type experience. But instead of smoking cannabis, I was off cannabis for the first extended amount of time in a long time. So it was a different thing, but I definitely, you know, that's the beauty of uh, tolerance breaks. <laughs> if you're a heavy user that really what we like is to just have a different perspective. And if you kind of are stuck on all, all cannabis all the time, then taking time off of it can be almost like getting high in a paradoxical way. Yeah. That's your dreams. Yeah, your dreams return. Yeah. I recently stopped eating uh, cannabis partly for that reason, but partly just because of what Chance said, like it's time. It's just time. I can just feel it. I've I've gone back and forth to using it for years, and um, I'll never smoke anything again because when I quit smoking cigarettes, I promised myself that I would never light fire and smoke it ever again, you know. But uh, I'm in a dream group with another guest from uh, – I've learned so many new people from you, Chance. I appreciate you, man. And I'm definitely going to have to go back and check out more Chanted Down. And um, Owen uh, Hunt, what's his name? Uh, Bootsy Greenwood started a, green, a dream group. And uh, we're all reading a book together and doing dream work and trying to move towards lucid dreaming and uh, to prompt the lucid dream state. You know, and the book is kind of similar to Castaneda, but I would say more advanced in a way. And um, I think we'll so see Bootsy next Vibrant next Wednesday. Nice. Sweet. Love that guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so Loomis, uh, just to give you the heads up here, like this is like I tried to explain a very community type show. And now that you know about us, anytime that you have some freedom on a Wednesday night and want to jump in and join us or call in, definitely sure. always welcome. You know, if something we're talking about piques your interest and you want to get in the mix, this is what it's all about. Hey, thank you. Yeah. And I really like the community feeling because sometimes you can become a loner doing all this work, you know, uh, I did for years until yeah. I found this tribe. Yeah, that's cool. Or they I, found me, whatever happened. I'm probably going to start doing live streams soon. So I'd like to invite you guys to come on when I start doing them as well. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Now, did you, did you tell them about what's next chance? Oh yeah. 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 After this show, we do something called flow state over on a different YouTube channel, weaving spiders welcome. And it is so much fun. We take, well, we talk, but we also take turns reading to each other. And while we're reading, well, one person's reading uh interesting book. The rest of the crew is working on some form of creative pursuit. And uh, a lot of times we'll be, they'll put their cameras, we'll put our cameras on what it is we're working on. So some people will be painting, they'll be sculpting. Gabriel's like doing whiteboard jujitsu, <laughs> coming up with synchro mystic connections between things. I like to draw with my markers. Here's Emma popping in the chat. 
I think she made like a terrarium last week. Oh, nice. So the whole yeah, idea is to just give yeah. people uh, stimulation in their right brain, left brain connection so they can listen to something while creating something at the same time. And it is freaking sweet. Hold on, you guys. I got to get my computer plug in. It's going to, the battery's going to die. Just hold on a sec. Yeah, no problem. Speaking yeah. of plugs, I have some plugs to make. And there's a couple of fun things in the call in line I could also show. But uh, for plugs, all right. Where is it here? <laughs> okay, so this Sunday, if you guys remember a few weeks back, we had the incredible Kalina Lux of Templess Aquaria on Vibrant. And she blew all of our minds with the work she's doing with her private membership association. Honestly, that we barely scratched the surface of in terms of uh, detoxing the the de facto. Man, uh, that's somebody, Loomis, you ought to interview, Kalina Lux. She is a power goddess, as Gabriel would say. <laughs> so on Templus Aquaria this Sunday, for members of Templus Aquaria, which I think is really cheap to be a member, like $4 or $11, I don't know what. I'm going to be doing an introduction to the biofield anatomy theory and a group sound healing session. So Sunday, uh, it says March 22nd, 322. I wonder why uh, down at the bottom, but it's going to be whatever day is Sunday. And I think 430, 4, 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock p.m. Central time. That's my time. So we're going to have a great time. I'll be teaching a little bit about what I know in terms of sound healing and the anatomy of our aura and the bioplasmic sheath around our body and then doing a, a group tune up. So, you know, it's probably great to get a sound balancing session anytime. I, I think there's never a wrong time. I'd love to see some people there. I will make sure and grab a link to Templus Aquaria and drop it in the chats. I'd love to see a lot of you there. going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was a nice segue. You go into plug in and I had a plug to give. So I, I got one more question, Loomis. Uh, yeah. Were you planning to be on the Vibrant like a week ago or how long have you known you were going to be on here today? Um, let's see. So when I had chance on in, I think it was December, um, we kind of talked, he's like, yeah, I should get you on Vibrant. So um, I think it was uh, probably just kind of in the making. And then, no, it's been, it's been a while, like months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We've had you on the calendar for quite a while. I'm also going to link my episode on Chanted Down. It's called Interverse, not Metaverse. Nice. So it's incredibly fortuitous that this alignment is happening today. Uh, like it's, it's kind of just dawning on me. and. I just want to put on the record, like a week ago on the spiders, we were talking, we did the Hawaii episode uh, of the Brady Bunch. And we talked about that location. I've been talking about Hawaii a lot lately. Um, it is just a really amazing sync that Loomis happens to be today. Yeah. It's something is up. Something, uh, sorry to interrupt, but yes, this is a whole nother segment of the conversation that I was curious about is uh, that I would like Mario's input on really uh -huh. is the, and maybe Kaylee, the uh, usage of Hawaiian mythological characters, if you will, deities uh -huh. for astronomical uh, things, right? NASA has been scavenging mythologies for a long time to name the stars and I believe Hawaii has hit, hit the hit list recently. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. That was a horrible interruption. Why don't you continue, buddy? 
no, all is well. I'm just like, it's just dawning on me how fortuitous it is. Like, we're on the day of 420. Uh, Hawaii is quite well known for, the, you know, the Maui Waui, the, the whole vi- vibration of it. It's also, uh, and we talked about this on Saturday a little bit. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's latitudinal significance uh, is uh, around 19.5 degrees north or, yeah, north. Uh, in that spot is a mark on other planets. They say that at the 19.5 latitude is where the face on Mars is. Oh. It's, it's where the great red spot on Jupiter is. There's even a spot on uh, Neptune that's at the 19.5 degree markation. And also, if you, if you turn the sphere into a Merkaba, 19.5 degrees is where one of the uh, corners, a major intersection on a Merkaba will be found. And this, I believe, could be a breadcrumb for you, Davin, in the fact that you had that download, that major download in Hawaii. I think you were tuning into a grand cosmic frequency on all the all of the what they call heavenly bodies, uh, regardless of your cosmology. <laughs> it is a very sacred location. Uh, and nineteen point five is, uh, yeah, man. So it's it's just beautiful. I have a feeling we're going to be realizing the significance of having you uh, come on the show because nineteen point five is almost on twenty. You know, yeah. 420 right now. Uh, it's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, what else in the world is at 19? Is there a question in there for Loomis, too? Oh, no, I was just saying, what else on the, in the world is at 19 degrees off the head? Um, I'm just trying to think of other places in the Actually, world. somebody let us know way early in the chat some of the... Some of the uh, other places that line up with that. So I'm scrolling far up and seeing. If I Nineteen find is it. also a nineteen uh, <clears throat> is also a big power number in the occult, and it's also an Osiris number. There's and it's a number the of sun Osiris card. Numbers, but we're talking about you connecting with the sun. That's right, the sun card. Nineteen, bingo. I wonder. If, I think Mexico City might be on that. that okay, latitude. get him in the. Uh, okay, Hawaii shares the same general latitude as Hong Kong, Mecca. The Sahara Desert and Mexico City. Oh, Mexico. Wow. So there's a ley line for sure, man. Good googly. That's awesome. Loomis, it's been great having you, man. I hope you come join us again or uh, maybe come over to the uh, flow state. Oh, here, here, look at this. Just before I do that, uh, Teotihuacan, it, the Pyramid of the Sun in Mexico, 19. Five, six, 19.6. Pretty close. There you go. Yeah. Well, to me, this is making that whole, it's like we're getting the pun from God. It's a, <laughs> four, it's 419 if you got a minute. You know, that's the old joke, we're right? Like Talking about you know, tripping like uh, 420 somewhere. day where yeah. LSD was invented. That's awesome. Yeah. Albert Hoffman uh, making the street wave at him. That's right. Well, guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's good to meet all of you. And um, I, I always like meeting more community. Like, say, it gets isolating, you know, and uh, it's good to talk to like minds. It, feels, it, feels it is, man. And and we'll keep an eye out for your live stream and make sure to come uh, jump in the chat or, you know, whatever you got going on. Well, I, I'm excited to I'm – a, I'm a intentionally – 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm setting an intention right now to go back and just randomly check out some more chanted down. And um, I encourage other people to do the same thing. Um, now you're, are you a hip hop artist? Is that right? Am I remembering right? I was. Yeah. 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 Oh, you, yeah. would you get bumped on the head and you forgot how to rap or something? <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a different point in my life, you know, yeah, I'm, just, like, I'm just making a joke yeah, and I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a time when I did that and now I do this and sometimes they incorporate it within the show though. So I got eight years yeah. of archives that you, or nine years of archives uh, that you guys can go through. Although I don't do it as a full-time job or anything. So um, I uh, got 197 episodes. So um, once I get past 200, I'll start doing live streams. I got a few big guests. Yeah. Nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You were right there in that liminal space yeah. between 19 and 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, totally Keeps nice to meet up. you, man. I look forward to checking out your stuff. I'm excited yeah. to go go dive into some of those episodes. Let's Shannon the mystical synchronicity. Right. Also, she says, get your you telegram know. going, Loomis. We'll all yes. hop in and pile in there, and then we can know what you're doing more more easily. That's good. Yeah, I wanna, I'll, I'll spend less time on Instagram and more time on Telegram. Dude, yeah, definitely get off Instaphage. Yeah. It's uh, horrible. <laughs> Suckergram, that's another good word for it. Well, okay, I have an, a fun share from the call-in line. So let me pull this up. It's mushroom music that Jenny B put in here. So I think this is like hooking up electrodes to mushrooms in some way and hearing the music they make. Let's check it out. Someone in the chat wanted to share a poem with us, Shireen. I'm watching out to see if that pops into our call-in line. Oh, we're getting to it once now. This is so cool. Uh-huh. We got to get one of these things. We should buy one of that the group the and then mail it around to each other, right? Yeah, let's crowdfund with these, and we'll just we'll make it like some kind of a benefit that you're next. 
something happens, like you, you win the drawing or the lottery or you win bingo two times in a row or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got a lot of bull birthdays right now, a lot of tourist people. I would kick in for whoever wants to, you know, whoever is going to get this just needs to volunteer that they're going to provide us with a lot of awesome video data <laughs> of what they find with this cool device. And I would totally kick in. It would it would help if they lived in a bamboo forest with a beautiful background too. <laughs> right. But there's mushrooms everywhere, man. I mean, there are. Actually, I was meditating under a tree just like two days ago, and I was sitting on. I didn't even realize that I was I was sitting on the roots, and the roots were literally curled up and and heightened up like a chair with armrests and everything. And I realized there was a really great spongy pile of mushrooms right underneath me that were protected from me even sitting on them because of the way they were hiding in the roots. Whoa. That is so cool. It makes me wonder about the distance between the mushrooms. If that has anything to do with the uh, the Yeah, see, Gabe, me me and you got similar brains, man. Like, I want to get the extended lead and run across to the mushroom that's 150 yards away and be like, all right, you ready, buddy? <laughs> Go, let's let's expand the the base. Yes. But what do psilocybins make? What kind of music do they make? That's we an need to find question. out. We need all this research. Yeah, man. Wow. It's like groove metal when you clip onto the psilocybins. <laughs> so I'm going to share the link to that video uh, that we just watched it's yeah. called plant wave plantwave.com thank you jim that was a gift nice it was at the kilia forest reserve i don't know where that's at and yes shireen you can leave a link under this stream if you're not on telegram i will look out for that comment and then we can see your poem i love that you want to share thank you and here's a link to that youtube video that this came from the mushroom music but plantwave.com. That is so cool. I would totally love to see more of that. Isn't it awesome how much great stuff there is in the world? <laughs> it is. It's um, not boring. It's not uh, boring. How could you ever be blessing. bored? That video was posted on August 19th. <laughs> oh, that's a 19, 19, no, 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 19. I think that's a few days after. That's like a week after uh, Snake Jones there. Power to the Leos. No, yeah, they have so enough, man. wanting to definitely um, <laughs> plug your YouTube channel some more, Loomis. You said you're going to start live streaming again. I'm going to be dropping in the oh, yeah. show description. Just check the show description for links to chant it down. And you can find his YouTube uh, under the same name, but it's truth filled trajectory chanted down radio, right? Yeah. Truth filled trajectory is a show that I do on YouTube. It's very random and it's like the back door to chant down radio. It brings in a whole different kind of crowd of people that is um, kind of just coming into this. So I, I, um, I don't do it too often, but when I start doing the live streams, it'll go on there. And I, I post some of my shows that, YouTube won't censor on Truthful Trajectory as well. So I saw that you had some content with uh, Elena Friedland, and she's been on my mind lately because of her connection to uh, James or Shelby Downard, right? Yeah. Um, I noticed that when I read his book. I actually met her one time in person. It was uh, was nice. 
Yeah, I've had her on about two or three times. Yeah, she's she's a nice lady. Um, I want to get her back on because she just wrote her third book in her trilogy, and she goes deep into this uh, this this frequency war that we're in with with the uh, 5G and and the chemtrails and all that, which is a topic that I can share a lot on too sometime. But she goes really deep with it, and I I recommend reading her book um, Chemtrails Harp and I feel like I'm butchering it. Sorry, but you know, she has three books out there. She's excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent lady. She really knows her stuff. Yeah, man. Kim Trill's harp in the, the full spectrum dominant domination of planet earth or something like that. Nice. Are there, okay. are there any uh, recent episodes that you particularly want to promote for, that people might be interested to check out from Chanted Down or where you feel like you learned a whole lot? Um, well, yesterday I had on Brian Forster and he's, you know, big into the elongated skull phenomenon. And I thought that was pretty fascinating uh, in a lot of the megalithic sites in the world. Um, also, uh, an upcoming episode I had on um, her name's Shelby Thompson, and she has made a app for people who are not vaccinated called un, un, uh, Unjected. And it's a great place for people to meet that want to date that are, you know, not injected. So that's uh, the la- latest episodes I've done. I did a, a, a host, I did a couple of episodes on where humans came from. Well, I looked at some of the oldest writings on earth and kind of just went through that recently, but I cover everything under the sun that I, th- I think is important. And so uh, I like to cover variety. So you can mm-hmm. go from one episode to the next and be like, wait, that's not totally related at all, but that's what I like to do. I like to throw people all over the place. That's just what I like to do. Beautiful. Uh, so I wanted to find this poem from Shireen, but I'm sorry, I can't look at comments under the video while we're live. I don't know why that is. And so, you know, just get on Telegram, people. That's the place where you can share your content with us to get it on the show. But we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up the stream for tonight. I have uh, another video <laughs> that was shared and I think I'll just play that at the end and then and close. So it's called How English Sounds to Non-English Speakers. But we have a minute because I need to quickly download that. And it probably is funny in context with the conversation we've just been having. But I want to give everybody a chance to, you know, go around the horn, tell people where they can find the other things that you guys each individually do. And any closing thoughts uh, relating to anything we've talked about on this really wonderful vibrant. And thanks everybody in the chat for being so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with SB and then Davin, then Slick and then Loomis will close us out. Nice. My name is uh, Sean Alger. I go by SB Alger because that was my nickname. My grandma gave me. And uh, you can find more about me at sbalger.com. There's a lot of information there. Um, I'm an artist and musician and a release coach. And I uh, was most well known for a ditty I put on with my friend Jim Maiden called RX Only Picture Show. So Notorious. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Infamous. With, uh, with Tracy Twyman. Twyman. Yeah, That's very right. infamous. I mean, Loomis is probably familiar with Tracy if he's been in conspiracy world for a while. Yeah, yes. I wouldn't be surprised. Rest in peace. Here, here. Right on. We miss you, Tracy. 
Your turn, Devin, Dad. Where can we uh, find more of you, buddy? All right. So uh, if you go to Chance's Telegram page with the Interverse chat, you know, that connects to other pages and you see where people are posting their stuff. So I'm on Telegram and Chiron on Aries, which is a project I was doing that deals with something that I'm calling the identity wound. And I also have another project that I did. I've got a YouTube channel called uh, Raising Awareness About Human Trafficking. And what I did there was I did some research. I looked at the academic literature and government sources, and I pulled from from those sources to show people that uh, the information is all right there. There is no conspiracy theory. This is a real phenomenon that people need to be more aware about. Um, so I did a number of videos on some of the findings that I did, some of the research I did on that. And then I've got uh, um, Chiron and Aries also on YouTube and um, Odyssey. Um, did a couple interviews with some of the people that you see in some of the same Telegram groups that we all tend to frequent. And I'm trying to turn that into like a podcast or a regularly scheduled interview type format thing. So that's a, a new thing. A couple interviews already on, are already under the belt. And um, yeah, I think I'll leave it. I got a few other projects, but I'll leave it at that. So Fair find on. me on Telegram, basically, and then go from there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Slick Distance, my channel name, uh, over on the YouTubes. Uh, and you'll catch me here, chilling with Chance fairly regularly. And I am uh, one of those spiders on uh, the Weaving Spiders Welcome channel. That's another haunt of mine. All right. And uh, <laughs> Loomis. Well, <laughs> my throat. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just took a drink and it didn't swallow all the way. It's like, all right, all right, Loomis, tell us, tell us <laughs> one more time where people can find you, dude. Kermit the Frog here. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm Loomis. I got Chatted Down Radio is my show. Um, got, you know, like I said, since 2013, been doing it for long time don't plan on stopping that's the main thing you can do is listen by podcast which is audio only right now but you can also go to truth build trajectory trajectory which is my youtube channel uh you can find me on instagram and you will find me on telegram soon i will be doing a documentary i did a bunch of footage when i was in egypt i'm going to be doing an egypt documentary and i have no idea when it's coming out because that stuff takes a long time editing and stuff but um, and, uh, plan on getting some good guests on and, and, uh, and, and, uh, connecting with, uh, a bigger tribe out there, which is you guys and everybody else. And I really want to, I really like to see what's been going on the last few years. Um, as like I say, I've been kind of doing this a long time, talking to people, activism and stuff, and a lot more people are awake now to things and different levels. And it's a lot more fun than it ever has been. So thank you guys. And thank you chance for having me on. And Absolutely. Good to meet and all you guys. This Gabriel, Let me know when uh, we can promote that documentary or talk about it. That sounds great. I hope and to finish it by June. Telegram going. We'll all hop in. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see a lot of you guys over on Weaving Spiders tonight for Flow State. I regretfully won't be able to stay that long because I got kind of an early interview, but I am going to try to finish up the project i've been working on since like november i'm so close to the end i really want to finish it tonight so nice. give me some good stuff to listen to read maybe kaylee will read more celestine prophecy 
I'm going to play this funny video of how English sounds to non-English speakers. I have no idea what it contains. I'm trusting Rachel on this one that it is uh, awesome. <laughs> and we will watch this, laugh at that, and then I'll cut off the stream. So good night, everybody. Love you all and see you guys soon. Here's Lace. Want me to of them? Sure. I bought you like five rounds of eggs with coordination. Sounds good. Today. Oh? Yeah. That doll's a rainbow in her face. Can't brave that more, Alvin John. Did you stop by the love call? Yeah, I come by the next ring. I played that private you money wrong for a line today. Oh, the raising man with an ash marine? That for me, you greed that treason. No, her station is trapped. I mean, why the crest soldier for the Magdalene Nation? It's further grad to my Joseph. Joseph is a Magalon? Magalon, my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Found a porn this round for mom's predation sake. Speaking porn along for that? Shit, have a car. Uh, what way? Thursday, you porn along for that? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so I can sew that long light you want for, uh, for the rat chat shoes and all, and, um, yeah, Chad's a long way for the rainbow seasonal and, uh, all that kind of. So, so we, uh, we, we wrap the bird again. We, uh, we wrap the gay crap trail. You, you want that? Splying for me, display the Joe drink all around the transportation town while buying for Mass the Pope for cream and, and... What's why I chose Farine at all? What's why I bleed the whole chase between? You want to get... You want to get for what? You fucking asshole. I'm gonna call it your shit. Shut